True story, um, I don't know what it was. Last week, last week at church, Macy came up to me. She said, Joey, your breath stinks so bad. So then I was talking to people after church doing one of these, like, uh-huh, Jesus really loves you. How, how can I pray for you? And I won't make eye contact with anyone. You know, I'm doing one of these, like, oh, yeah. And um, that's what it was. <laughs> So true story is like throughout the week, it's like, man, am I dehydrated? I brush my teeth like four times a day. I have a toothbrush here that I brush my teeth with. And um, it's in my second drawer. And um, nevertheless, I brush my teeth here. It's like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't have any cavities. Nothing's really going on in there that shouldn't be. It's Chipotle. <laughs> you know what? That's, let's just be honest. That might be it. I have not had Chipotle in like two and a half weeks or two weeks. So it could be that the Chipotle um, has not been in there. But last night in the middle of the night, I'm going to bring you in just a little bit into our uh, personal life. We're sleeping. I'm like with God in a moment in a dream, experiencing the Lord, right? And I get woken up. Macy's like, man, your breath is worse than garlic. Your breath is worse than like anything I've ever smelled, and it's keeping me awake tonight. So now, the rest of the night, I'm sleeping like this. So um, if you guys need a witness to, witness, if you need some witness later, if you need um, prayer, just know that you're going to have to put up with, um, put up with this breath. Or I'll be, be doing one of these. But if someone does have a water, I don't know if the tech booth has a water they can throw up to me. That would be great. Nevertheless, let's pray. God, we thank you for today and the way that you, um, you've shown up in our heart. I pray that we would walk out of here knowing you greater, surrendering to you greater. I pray that you would set us free today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So some of the leaders at 9.30, um, at 9.30 in the morning, we've been coming in here, we've been meeting and praying for service. <laughs> Thank you for the water, Justin. <laughs> I don't know if Elias saw that or not. <laughs> we've been coming in and we've been uh, praying uh, just for service and for our hearts. And one of our um, prayers this morning is that anyone who needed healing, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, that they would get, uh, get healed. So today after service, we just believe that um, God wants to do some of that. And we want to keep on praying. You know what? A theme this morning was about asking. Just ask. Well, I believe sometimes we're not getting healed because sometimes we're just not asking. And it's not a selfish thing to ask God for healing. Sometimes, you know, people always say, well, you know what? I was praying for that person's healing, but I won't pray for mine. It's okay to pray for your own healing. And um, maybe you haven't received because you have not asked. So... Um, It actually is a 
somewhat of a pet peeve when um, speakers take drinks during the teaching. But let's pray. God, show up today. May your presence be known. May we have ears to hear this, hearts to receive it, feet willing to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing in Revelation. How many of you guys have been challenged by some of the stories in Revelation? Some of you? Yes, it's been really challenging to me. And there's a theme that's somewhat uplifting, but yet there's a theme that's also very challenging as well. And the challenging theme always um, gets me thinking throughout the week. So just very basic, real quick, I want to share with you how do we interpret, um, interpret Revelation. Very simple. Um, I shared this the first time I spoke. Primary association. So we have to remember that these are real cities, real people, and there's historical content within um, these cities, that there's personal application. So there's things in this material that we can relate to, right? That's why it's challenging, not because it's just about history, but it's literally things that can challenge you and I today. We can apply it to our lives, and we can also, guess what, wish that other people are listening to it. I think that's one of the problems with church, too. Many times we come in here, um, we come in here and we're like, I hope she's listening to it, or I hope he's listening to it, right? We do it. So a personal application, and then there's a prophetic meaning. So um, many believe that each church represents a time in history. So um, maybe that's the case, maybe it's not, but that's some suggestions. So today we are on Sardis. Say that with me, Sardis. All right. Just say it with confidence. That's how you say it. I've had one of the easier ones to say. Sardis. When John wrote this letter to Sardis, it was a wealthy city, not headed in the right direction. It was simply a city in decline. Um, as we read through it today, we're going to see no mention of persecution, though there could have been. Um, we see no mention of bad theology. We see no mention of false teachers. No mention of sin. But there had to be sin there because what we're going to find out today is that though Sardis looked like they were alive, they were dead. And I know that there's seasons in my life where I put on this front that I'm alive. You see people at church and you smile. You see the church people out at Walmart and you, right? You even go to small group and you position that you're alive, but yet inside there's this inner turmoil and you're dead. That's scary. Sardis was defeated twice in this um, later on, because their leadership was too lazy to defend themselves from their enemy. So what's really unique about Sardis is they really had a perfect place. It's like they were on top of a mountain, they could see the enemies coming up, and they always had the higher perspective. So when you're trekking up a mountain, if you're higher than them, guess what? 
it's easy to pick them off. You can take your slingshots, you can take your bow and arrows, um, whatever you want to do, you can pick them off. But what had happened was Sardis, have ha- they once had um, success winning these, um, winning these wars. So then they got lazy. They, um, they were stuck in past glory. They were stuck thinking about all the victories that they had won rather than always being in the moment to defend themselves. And I think that should be point number one. It's not, but it should be. They were stuck thinking about past glory. You know what happens is as Christians and as people, we often live into the past glory, right? You talk to some of the older men here, even, even my dad, I share with you about Thanksgiving. He lives into his past glory. Back in 1976, I could throw this pigskin over a mountain, boy. <laughs> right? Or how about this one? I, I promise you, every, every person in here older than me, they went through the, uh, what was it, the snowstorm of 78? The, the snowstorm of 78, right? But not only was there the snowstorm of 78, the snowstorm of 78 happened every time they had to do chores. I promise you, Joey, every time I had to go feed the animals, there were six feet of snow. I had to carry 18 buckets all by myself. There were 14 wolf packs that I fought off. (laughs) Three lions. A wild Indian tribe. And the pond was frozen. And I had to dig six feet deep in the pond just to get the water out. There's a tendency within our hearts to live in the past glory. And what happens is, is when we live in the past glory, we often forget about the right now. And that's what Sardis did. They lived in the past glory. So then, when people came to them, when there was a war arising, they were defeated. Even though they had the perfect setup. And I believe here in America, here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship, we really have a good setup. Let's start off with religious freedom, right? We have religious freedom to freely come to this place and worship. We have instruments. We have a building with lights on and heat and comfy chairs. And we even have coffee on Sunday mornings with sugar. I don't care so much about the cream because it's powder cream. You don't know what that stuff's made of. (laughs) You know what? That gives me an idea. If we want people to be slain in the spirit, maybe there needs to be a different powder. (laughs) That's it? (laughs) Fine. (laughs) We've really been set up well here, right? But if we don't have the attitude to keep on day by day, day by day, chasing after Christ, day by day doing the right things. If we're only living in the past glory, then we're not going to progress. See, if all I had was stories of how much my parents loved me 25 years ago, what would that suggest about my relationship with them right now? Or what about if all I had was stories 
about when God moved in the charismatic movement, 70s, 80s, and 90s? Or what about if all I could ever talk about was that one moment where I encountered Christ that one time? We often get caught up in these moments that we think that we should only live in that one moment or that God only wants to give us just one moment. And I will just dare to say that if Christ desires to have a relationship with you, I don't just get Macy flowers on Valentine's Day. I don't just express my love to her once a year. Or I didn't just express my love to her on the wedding day. In a relationship, we can't just choose to live in the past moments. We need to continually grow in a relationship. And if all we do is live in 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago, guess what? Our hearts begin to grow cold. And Sardis was a church that really grew cold, um, ice cold, because they were dead. So um, I want to share with you a story this uh, this past week where um, I encountered Christ again. So I have a friend from Springfield, and this friend asked me several weeks ago to go over and listen to the pastor who wrote the book, The Prayer of Jabez. How many of you guys are familiar? So The Prayer of Jabez, I was able to go over and listen to him speak. And while we were over there, we got lunch. And I'm meeting a couple of new people that I've never met, area leaders. And while I'm talking to one of the guys, he said, Hey, my name is Jamie, and I own three tire shops in um, the Dayton area. And I said, No way, Macy and my tires are like well past the penny mark. If John saw me, he'd pull me over. He'd say, son, you need to get new tires. And you don't look too trustworthy. I'm going to have to give you a ticket. (laughs) So I said, no way. Macy and I were actually going to go get tires this weekend. So what ended up happening is we got busy, we didn't get tires, we just drove basically one car most of the time. So I was driving my blue car last week, and then out of nowhere on Monday, man, I'm trying to shift this thing, and it's like the clutch is out. Just like, wham, got to get it in. Can hardly get anything, wham, wham. So because we have two different jobs, I need to um, have a car, and she needs to have a vehicle. So then I really need to get my tires fixed. So I called Jamie on Thursday. And I said, hey, Jamie, this is Joey. Remember, we met several weeks ago. And he said, yeah, I remember. How are you? And then um, there was something that, that overwhelmed me where I knew I needed to talk about Christ. So right then and there, an hour later of talking about Christ and praying for him and encouraging him, then um, we finally set up the appointment for Friday. Friday gets around. I drive Macy's car down to Dayton to get the tires. And it was stressing me out because the uh, traction control was going off, the triangle saying um, basically there's no air in your tires going off, and the potholes in the Dayton area, it's like not even fun. So I'm like, am I even going to get there? So finally, I get to Jamie's Tire Shop in Fairborn, and when I walk in, there's a guy standing right next to Bay 7, and he's standing by Bay 7 just standing there like this. And I'm like, well, maybe he's a worker. Maybe he's out on a smoke break. 
And I walked past him, I go inside, I hand in the keys, I talk to Jamie, and then this guy was now sitting in the lobby area, and he looked really nervous. And while he was sitting there, while he was sitting there, um, I said, hey man, how are you, what's up? He said, hi, and then he walked off. I'm like, dadgummit, it must be my breath. <laughs> I need to do something about this. So he got up, he walked out, and while he got up and walked out, I grabbed some coffee. At least I can blame it on the coffee now. And I'm like, I oh, mean, I need to talk to that guy. I need to talk to him. So he comes back in. I say, hey, man, how are you? He said, I'm okay. I was like, what you in for? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what you in for? What are you in here for? He said, oh, I'm getting tires to go down and see my girlfriend in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He said, what you in for? I'm like, I'm just getting my girl tires. So we started to talk. And then I really sensed that he was missing out on something and that he needed prayer. So I said, man, are you a believer? Just right then and there. I said, are you a believer? He said, yeah, I'm a believer. I said, what do you believe? He's like, I'm a Christian. I said, what does that mean to you? He said, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I said, amen, me too. And God started to give me downloads of personal things that were going on in his life. And I just started to point everything of this conversation back to Christ, right? Back to Christ, back to Christ, back to Christ. And um, it was unique because he was either on drugs or about to be on drugs. He was a drug user. He could have been drunk. And um, he totally lived the... Um, the challenged life of that. Clearly been in and out of jail by his confession. And um, as I continue to point things back to Christ, he stood up out of nowhere and he said, hey, I need prayer right now. I said, hey, buddy, you just sit down. I'll come to you. Let me, let me serve you. So I go over and I sit right next to him. And while I'm praying, God said that he was beaten and he was abused when he was younger. And that God's been drawing him closer to him, but he's just been rebelling. And I start to share these things. His name was Mike. I said, Mike, I just feel like God's saying that you were beaten and abused when you were a kid. And that he's been drawing you closer and closer to him. And you've been rebelling from him. And tears just started to fall down Mike's face right there. He said, Joey, I've been rebelling. I've been rebelling. I've been running. I was beaten. I was abused. And tears. Just tears and tears and tears and tears. I said, you want to give your life back to Christ? He said, I do. Right then and there in Goodyear, Mike, who I don't know, gave his life back to Christ. Amen? So I share that to say this. This is what was unique. Is if I didn't go to this conference with this pastor with all these pastors, I wouldn't have met Jamie. And if I didn't meet Jamie, then I would have never went to Goodyear. But if I would have got tires when I exactly thought I needed tires, then um, I wouldn't have met Mike. But what ended up happening is, I, I haven't tried my blue car yet, but I actually had um, car troubles before, where it's like before church I had car trouble, so I made the phone call. But this phone call, then I actually started to pray for the person that I made the phone call to. And then after church, my car was fine. So I think my car is probably going to end up being fine later. And if it's not, oh well, it was worth it. But the timing of the clutch 
and the tires for me to then go meet Mike. Unique experience, right? I'm not living 30 years from now of when I saw Christ move. I'm not living 20 years ago. I'm not worried about the past experiences because God is alive and active today. In your life, and in my life, and in, in everyone's life, we can't be like Sardis and think because we've had one success that that's where we stop. There's no age by which you retire spiritually. Everything, even in work retirement, should be about Christ. If you wake up tomorrow, your goal should be, how do I serve you? How would you like me to serve you? The church at Sardis had a good reputation at one time, and the members thought they had arrived. They were content in the beautiful buildings, in the beautiful building they had built on the corner of self-satisfaction, self-righteous, and self-righteousness. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Revelation 3. We'll start in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead so as every church that is being addressed in Revelation, another characteristic of Jesus is being identified. This one is, that we're going to talk about, is the seven spirits. Many suggest that the seven spirits are in reference to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes from God the Father and Jesus, right? To the believer as a gift to empower us to experience the reality of life with Christ. The reality of life with Christ. When I'm with Mike at Goodyear, the reality of life with Christ. Through the multiple ministries and works of the Holy Spirit symbolized in Isaiah 11. So I'm just going to read you Isaiah 11 too real quick. We're not going to stay here too long. But these are characteristics the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by the way he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. So, as believers... Born-again believers, we become a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, right? We all have the same Spirit. Though as believers we possess the Holy Spirit, we still have the responsibility to walk by the Spirit. Just because you have it doesn't mean it possesses you and you become a robot. We have to be willing to take a risk or to walk by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with sin, to further the kingdom, to understand his scriptures. We have to be willing to walk with it. If not, 
we are grieving it or quenching the Holy Spirit. You know, if we grieve the Spirit, we often have a sense that we're not living into our potential. If you grieve the Spirit, you often feel like you're dead inside, right? See, we're really called to walk in this intimate relationship with Christ. And if we start grieving that relationship, then we're going to feel like we're missing something. You want to know why? Because we are. It doesn't mean that he's left us. It just means that we're missing that aspect that Christ wants us to live in. Not grieving the Holy Spirit is essential to Christian growth. Growth comes from submission to the Holy Spirit. You know what I didn't want to do uh, Friday? I didn't want to talk to Mike. Actually, what I wanted to do is I never even wanted to get tires. <laughs> I just wish we had the um, tire you could buy for like 800 bucks and it would never go, it would never wear. 800 bucks a piece, I'd do it. And then it could fit any other vehicle that you ever had and <laughs> you customize it with spinning rims or whatever you needed to say about your personality at that point. Christian growth, our personal growth with Christ must submit to the Spirit. It's essential for that. If we grieve the Spirit, that's um, pausing our growth or not allowing us to grow as quick, quickly as possible. So when we say yes to him, we grow. The greatest thing we can do, the, the deepest thing that we can do is be obedient to the Spirit. If you know the Greek and if you know the Hebrew, that's great. But if you're not obedient to the Spirit to apply it to your life, what good is it? We can know all the words front and back of the Bible, but if we're not obedient to the Bible, the Spirit, what good is it? We have to be obedient. Let's continue on. The seven stars in his right hand. Very simply put, um, I talked about this the first week. Um, many people believe that this is addressing um, the sovereign authority in the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. So um, let's continue. Sardis played the part of being alive, and they played it really, really, really well. And this is where it begins to hurt. It's, um, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Can we be honest? How many of you guys ever feel that way? Like, God, maybe I'm just faking. Maybe I'm just putting on this show that I'm alive, but really I'm dead inside. Anyone ever feel that way? There's moments that I feel that way. I think it's best to be honest. Now, what I understand is, is I'm not saved by how much I do. I'm not saved by my works. I'm not saved by my deeds. I'm saved by Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected for the atonement of my sins. Sometimes my mind doesn't always agree with that. And it doesn't matter what my mind agrees with because I've made, my spirit knows that I've been bought and I've been paid for. And I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe it. 
but sometimes I do feel like I'm dead. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I messed up again, and I messed up again, and I messed up again. But what's really unique about this is, is when we take it back to the scriptures, God knows everything. When he's addressing Sardis, he's like, look, I know what you're wearing. I know, what you're, I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. But you're dead. I know your deeds. You put on this idea that you're alive, but you are dead. And you know what's interesting? Is God knows exactly who we are here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. And more than us as a church, guess what he also knows? He knows exactly who I am. And how often can we go give handshakes and hugs and chest bumps and just put on this facade that everything's okay? We need to quit the facading and we need to actually just start being honest. You know why? If I walk around lying to all of you guys, you'll never know. But you know who does know? Christ. The one who, who chooses where I go next. What happens with my um, eternity? The Sardis people went to church. They served. They studied. They might have even done a really crazy thing like raised their hands during service. They played the part. They clearly looked like they had it going on, but they were dead inside. Like some of us in here today, alive on the outside, but dead inside. What kills us? What brings us to that place of death? Well, what kills a church or an individual is sin, error, compromise, Sin in the body of the church. Sin in leaders. Little by little, sin kills. It dries you up. It makes you dead. It kills because it becomes a habit. And it kills our conscience. And we become hardened. And you know what? All we have to do is agree with God that we've messed up and repent and come back, right? Today, that can happen for all of us. Today, I know there are some people in this room who are, who are dead inside because the weight of sin is too much for them to put a smile on. The weight of sin is too much for them to carry. It reminds me of a verse that changed my life and also reminds me of the church in Sardis. And I believe I mentioned this a um, couple weeks ago, but Matthew 7, um, verses 13 and 14. Enter through um, the narrow gate, right? For um, small, na narrow is the road and small is the gate that leads to true life in Jesus Christ. Few people find it, right? But wide is the road and open is the gate that leads to destruction. And many people live on that road. How many mathematicians do we have in here? One. <laughs> He's not very good at math. <laughs> <laughs> the 
Many and few. Which one's more? Many. And is many, is many a lot more than a few? I, I believe so. The mathematician says yes. Many people. Many people live, I, I believe if you read the King James, it puts it out there plain and simple. It says, look, many people live on the wide road and enter through the open gate that leads to hell. It's not even talking about destruction. It just says hell. But few people live on the narrow road and enter uh, through the small gate that leads to true life in Jesus. King James Version, I believe, says heaven. That verse alone with the double-edged sword whoosh, changed my life. I said, I can't, I can't keep on playing this game anymore. And you know what I said? I straight up said, I want to be, hear this, hear this in the best ears that you can hear it. I said, if the leaders at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship are going to heaven as a competitor, I have to be better than them. And I wasn't saying like I need to do more works, but it's like when, when you're in competition and only three people are getting the prize, guess what that means? You have to be one of the top three. And a few represents just a few people in comparison to the billions of billions of billions that I really need to live it right. I need to surrender. I need to do it right. Verse 21 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Right? For many, um, but only the, I'll just read it. <laughs> I'll just read it. But only, because if not, you get the JB version. What, what version you read? But only um, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Okay, so a lot of times when people hear the scripture, they're like, you know what? I just can't go to church and raise my hands. I just can't put a couple dollars in the tithe plate. I can't just come to church every week. And you know what? Maybe I need to listen to Christian music a little bit more often. This said nothing about worship or tithe. It talked about some very supernatural things. Prophecy. Right? Speaking the unknown. Things that everyone in the room knew you couldn't know. And revealing it. Revealing the future or an event in the past that you never knew about. Delivering demons. Exorcisms. Right? That's crazy. Performing miracles, seeing legs grow, cancers being healed, money coming out of nowhere. And what Jesus is saying is, look, just because you do these things doesn't mean you know me. Just because these things happen within your church doesn't mean you know me. That challenged me to my core. 
Because at that point, guess what I said? God, I'm not even prophesying. <laughs> Which is a gift that God calls us to desire as we read scripture, desire to prophesy. Desire the gifts. I'm like, God, I'm not even prophesying and I've never even seen an exorcism at this point. God, I've never even really seen a miracle. So you know what, God? I better start there. God, I love you so much. I'm sorry for where I was. Forgive me of my sin. Help me know you. Help me love other people more. Just because Sardis had deeds didn't mean that they were alive. Didn't mean that they had life. So just because I give away vacuum cleaners, right? Just because I can pro uh, prophesy. Just because I pray for people at stores or at Goodyear and I see people healed, does that mean I know Christ? Does that mean I love him? Does it mean I walk in an intimate relationship with him? No. That could be me just playing the role. And you know what? It's not my job or your job to judge whether I'm playing the role or not. Because it's about my heart. I don't need to judge other people's roles. I need, I need Christ to worry about that person's heart. And what my job is to do is actually help that person's heart be surrendered more to Christ, to point people to Christ so that then Christ can move in people's hearts. Just because whatever action or works we're doing doesn't mean you're alive. But faith without works is dead too. It is about knowing Christ and serving him at all costs. I, I'm fairly certain I've shared this several times here. I'll share it again. We all know who LeBron James is, right? How many of you guys have a Cavs t-shirt? How many of you guys have been to a Cavs game, Mark? <laughs> Mark's been to a Cavs game. How many of you guys have a Cavs hat? How many of you guys have ever just watched a Cavs basketball game, even if it was just for a second? We've poured into them, right? The identity of LeBron James. How many of you guys have ever bought Nikes? There you go. LeBron James really helps out Nike. We have paid money into this organization. We've watched this organization. We've been to this organization. We cheer for this organization. I dare you to go try to give, uh, go to a Cavs game, walk in for free, grab a cup of coffee from the concession stand, and then walk down to the court and give LeBron James a dap. Give him a high five. See if you can even make it. Just because you know LeBron James, just because you give to the organization, just because you drink coffee there, doesn't mean you have all access to the one who calls himself the king. Not the king, but the one who calls himself the king. Likewise, just because you come to Mechanics for Christian Fellowship, just because you give to the organization, just because you bought a nice MCF t-shirt that you can wear around, like my squad, 
just because you have that, you can't live and say that I'm known by Christ. We can't live 20 years ago. We need to live right now. An active relationship lives right now in surrender to Jesus Christ. You know, one of the best places to start is forgiveness. We all have these big dreams of what we want to do, but we're unwilling to forgive. Even spouses sometimes, siblings, parents. The best place to start is forgiveness. This life isn't about playing the role to make your neighbors think that you have a relationship with Christ. Many people in Sardis were dead. Some of us in this room might be dead. But certainly some of us in this room need to wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Let's continue on, verse two. Wake up! I'm never that person that can just like go into full like drama mode and just start yelling it like, wake up. I can't even do it. Wake up, right? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We literally do not know what's going to happen 10 seconds from now. There's literally one thing that could change the rest of our lives that could happen like that. Why are we waiting for that moment to wake up? Why can't we just do it now? Get right with Christ literally right now in our seats. Wake up. Is what was being presented to Sardis. And I believe to some of us today. Don't be in la-la land anymore. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen what is left. There is still hope. If there is anything that hasn't died in your life, anything, anything for the sake of Christ that hasn't died, if there's any truth, if there's any goodness, if there's any purity, anything, anywhere, any devotion, any love for people, anything for Christ, strengthen it. What I love about the story of the fish and loaves is it was just a little bit. It wasn't a lot. Servant boy didn't say, say, uh, bring in the trucks. He didn't say, uh, bring in the semis. I got six of them. Bring in the cargo ships. He said, I just have a little bit, but I give it all to you. If you have a little bit today, strengthen it. So if the only thing that you could do is read one Bible verse a day, keep on, keep on doing it. Strengthen it, strengthen it, strengthen it. Don't let go. Strengthen what remains. Do whatever, 
whatever you can do to rescue whatever you have left. Verse three, remember therefore what you have received and heard, but hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. The word what here could be interpreted as in what way. God wanted the church in Sardis to remember, we've been hearing that a lot lately, remember? The first sermon was remember, repent, and redo. Have any of you guys tried that model? Remember, repent, and redo. I've been trying it and my life has been coming alive. God, I remember when I'd be willing to talk to people. I'm sorry that I haven't been doing that as much as I should be. So then I did one of these, right? Repent. And then now I'm redoing them. Remember, repent, redo. Remember in what way you, ha- you had received and heard his word. In 1 Thessalonians um, 1.5, Paul writes, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. I wonder and think that Sardis had the same experience Paul was talking about. The Holy Spirit came to them with full, conviction, uh, full conviction with not only the word, but with power. I think that's how God um, presented himself to Sardis. The power of God had convicted them of their sins, but they forgot why they had once accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, the longer you um, walk in marriage, I've always heard that sometimes you forget why you said yes. Why'd you say yes? I don't know. (laughs) She was cute. (laughs) She was the only one that would take me. Why did you say yes to Christ? And why do you think that you're any less of a sinner now? We still fall short of the glory of God. We still need him. Remember them, but do not live in the past. Remember the things that we used to do, right? Remember the experiences that Christ would give us, but don't, don't live there. Continue to look into um, each day, each week, understanding why you married your spouse, right? Why you accepted with Jesus, um, why you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So, hold it fast and repent. Hold it fast and repent. Sardis should have kept the memory of what and how they had received. They should have kept it. They should have remembered it. If you don't remember why you uh, got married, 
remember this week and write it down. In Macy, um, in my office at the house, we actually have a list of each year something very special that took place in our marriage. And each year we'll go back and we'll type something up. So, you know, 2012, married, um, calling to ministry. We have Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship on there now. We have when we got our first dog, when we bought our first house, when we sold our first house, and when we bought our second house. And hopefully we can say this house will be the house for the rest of our life. Likewise, guess what? We should do that same thing with Christ. Journal those experiences that you have with Christ. Hold it fast. Sardis should have kept the memory of what and how they had received. Then repented of their rebellion. God wanted them to look at their hearts and see the wrong attitudes and motives. God wanted them to repent. You and I must also repent of anything and everything that falls short of God's glory. Why wouldn't you want to? Isn't that weird? We build up this wall and then it's just like, you want to hold on to it so tight. We don't want to take it to the Redeemer. We just want to hold on to it. God wanted Sardis to repent. Sardis and and us here today, we're receiving a wake-up call. Wake up, wake up, wake up. God is going to share with them what will happen if they do not submit to his warning. So let's continue on. Verse four. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy the one who is victorious like, will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's really unique to me as I read this, one of the things that challenged me was, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. Some versions that you read suggest it's like, I will not put a stripe through, I will not take out one of these names. And I'm not ready to say that uh, once saved, always saved, or that you can be in the good book and out of the good book. I'm just saying it challenged me. I personally want to do some more research um, into, into this very specific verse. But it challenged me. So because it challenged me and I'm not ready to preach it yet, I'm not going to. And you're going to like it. So how do we keep our white garment, right? That's what's really important. In this section, it's about keeping our white garment. How do we do that? First John 1 John 1.9 says what? Any of you guys? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how we keep our white garments on today. 
Today, that's how we keep them. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us. Sorry, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's it. That's how you keep on your white. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Repent, right? Repent. Turn from where you're heading and turn to Christ. Repent, repent, turn to Christ. If not, how scary will it be or how scary would it be for those who are only playing a game? I don't want to play a game. Who has time for a game? We don't know what's going to happen 10 seconds from now. Someone once said, um, Joey, do you think Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship will ever have 2,000 people? Well, I hope so. Not because we want a lot of people in here, but that means that souls are saved, that our community might be on fire for Christ. And I said, you know what, though? That could actually happen overnight. Well, how could that happen overnight? One person. God could send Brad Pitt here. And guess what? All the little schoolgirls, they would be here in a minute. Right? They would be here. Literally one person could literally attract 2,000 people overnight. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know what after church looks like. Why are we waiting to confess our sins? Why are we waiting to get right with Christ? Why are we waiting to forgive our brother or sister? A spiritual examination of Sardis will show us the causes of death. The first one is this. Sardis died because it relied on its past experiences. The body was once healthy but it had been neglected all the way to the point of death. Number two, the church died because it allowed sin to crawl in. Our church as MCF can die if we allow sin to crawl in. Personally, I can die if I allow sin to crawl in and make its home in me. There's sins that many of us today are dealing with, very specifically, that we're unwilling to get rid of. We're not ready to. God, I'm not ready to. What are you waiting for? We got this king that has every good and perfect gift that he wants to give to you. But in, in this rebellion, you're running from it. Your destiny, your calling, your purpose, it's right there. But you just keep on holding on to the sin. Third, the church died because it was not sensitive to its own spiritual condition. <laughs> That's really funny because um, about four years ago at Valentine's Day, I bloated up 
It was like our first year of marriage to 214 pounds. That was big for me. I was like, where are my toes? Literally the angle that I had to bend over to see my toes, it made my uh, feet look like I was wearing size six. It changed my, my 11s to six that quick. When I looked in the mirror, guess what I saw? Track star, in shape, looking good. And then Macy took this picture at uh, Valentine's Day of me sitting there with three cheesecakes sitting right in front of me. <laughs> Had them strawberries and black syrup all over it, chocolate syrup. She took this picture. I'm like, man, let me see that, girl. You know I'm looking good. I'm like, who is that? It scared me. You know what I needed? Is I needed a loved one to show me who I was. She said, look, here's a picture of your life and this is who you are. Because me, depending on me, just looking in the mirror, I saw track star. Right? I saw 18-year-old in shape. Got the body going on. Now I'm just like, yeah, I'm going bald. Belly hangs over the belt. It's my metabolism. That's what it is. I mean, I don't eat like four Chipotle burritos a day. and The church died because it was not sensitive to its own spiritual condition. I was gaining weight because I was not sensitive to my own physical condition. I lied to myself about who I was and what I was doing and what I looked like. How many more days do we need to continue on saying, I got it. I got it. I'll get it. It's okay. I'll get it. I'll get it. And then you wake up and you say, ooh. Some of us, based upon Matthew 7, there will be people who are convinced that they know God, that their spirituality was on point, and that when they see him, he'll say, plainly I tell you, I never knew you. Sardis appeared to have it together. But I believe many of them, when they faced Christ found out a different opinion. He gave them a warning. It was confident that God was there because the building was wonderful. We think that because everything goes good in our life, because our infrastructure is nice. Sardis had nice infrastructure. They had a nice setting. They thought they had a strong army. Just because our infrastructure is nice, just because we have a house over our head and our car works and we have a good paying job doesn't mean that everything's right with Christ. Sardis had wonderful buildings. They had big congregations. They were stylish. Just because your life is successful by the world's standards, it doesn't mean you are known by Christ. Are you willing to give up all that? to be known by Christ? Are you willing to re-up to Christ today? Say, God, I'll give it back to you. Again, a thousand times over, a million times over, I'll give my life back to you. Anything I'm deceived in, let me know. 
Anything I need to give up to you, let me know. God, I repent. I repent of these areas that I, I'm just rebelling in, straight up. Ken, if you could come up. I want to give you another opportunity to respond today. I don't care if you responded four weeks ago. There's been seasons in my life where God's called me like 10 straight weeks. And you know what? The thought came to my mind. You know what the thought came to my mind? These people think I'm crazy. But you know what? I decided very quickly, this ain't about those people. God was stirring my heart. And he said, Joey, I want, I want you to respond at the altar. And I did it. Today, you have an opportunity to respond to God and let him do the work, right? There's actually some of us in this room, we're going to have to choose to be sensitive to the Spirit. Because the Spirit's going to call some of us forward and there's going to be that inward battle, right? You know what? Christ can meet you in your seat. But I also think Christ likes a step towards him. And today I believe the step's just responding to him and doing business with him. So if that's you today, you're just like, you know what, God? I need help strengthening what remains. I need help repenting. I need help not living in the past. I need help letting go of things. I need you. I need more of you. I'm just going to ask that you respond. Come up here and do business with Christ, however you need to. Leader, not a leader. Um, tech booth, not in the tech booth. Wherever you are. I'm going to start praying, and then you guys can continue to respond. Father, I thank you for your love and giving us warnings. I pray that, that you would just continue to well up in our hearts a response to surrender to you. God, that we would remember your words this week, your words, out of, out of the Bible, God, that we would remember your words, that your two-edged sword would pierce our heart. God, help us give over these things to you. Help us surrender to you. Help us walk in confidence this week that we know you, that we're living with you right now, God. May we not out of guilt worry whether we know you or not, but may we in confidence and assurance based upon your word, God. Salvation is not based upon a feeling, but it's based upon your word. God, I pray that this week we would um, be set free from that worry and fear.
saw a picture of um, clearly no one specifically but it was like God was speaking to me about um, lust and even pornography and um, God was saying he wants to set you free today and um, it was like someone was thinking about that very specifically uh, during this moment and God was saying um, you don't need to respond today he knows your heart but the challenge the challenge was like there was this battle between God like God, but I know when I get home, I'm going to be tempted. And God, I know when I get home, I'm going to do it. And I just sense God say, like, just put your foot down and say, God, I'm with you. God, I'm with you. Let's pray for that person right now, those people. God, we pray for those people right now. God, that you would help them put their foot down by the blood of Jesus, that pornography would no longer have any uh, stronghold in their life, that lust would not be what they submit to, but it would be you in your blood. And I even saw um, manipulation and um, dishonesty. And God, we just pray against those who uh, desire control. God, I pray that there would just be that theme of trust that resonates in their life. God, may, uh, may, may these people this week just give you all control. And God, we pray above all else, God, that this week that you would give us the capacity to forgive. 
go up and forgive. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, uh, may we utilize that power this week, God, that you've given us. May your ways be what we desire. God, remind us of these things when we leave church today. Remind us of these things tomorrow morning if we wake up. Conquer the grave.